Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about chlamydia. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash chlamydia or in the genitourinary medicine section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Chlamydia trachomatis is a gram-negative bacteria. It's an intracellular organism, meaning it enters and replicates within cells before disrupting the cell and spreading to others. Chlamydia is the most common sexually transmitted infection in the UK and it's a significant cause of infertility. Being young, sexually active and having multiple partners increases the risk of catching the infection. A large number of cases are asymptomatic with 50% of men being asymptomatic and 75% of women being asymptomatic. Patients that are asymptomatic can still pass the infection on to others. Let's talk about the National Chlamydia Screening Programme. Public Health England has set out a National Chlamydia Screening Programme, or NCSP. This programme aims to screen every sexually active person under the age of 25 for chlamydia annually or when they change their sexual partner. Everyone that tests positive should have a retest three months after treatment. This retesting is to ensure that they have not contracted chlamydia again rather than to check the treatment has worked. In general, when a patient attends a GUM or genitourinary medicine clinic for SDI screening, as a minimum they're tested for chlamydia, gonorrhea, syphilis on a blood test and HIV also on a blood test. Let's talk about swabs. It can be tricky to get your head around the different types and uses of swabs for sexual health screening. The FSRH clinical guideline on vaginal discharge from 2012 has helpful guidance on the investigation with different swabs in different clinical scenarios. There are two types of swabs involved in sexual health testing. These are charcoal swabs and nucleic acid amplification test or NAT swabs. Charcoal swabs allow for microscopy, which is looking at the sample under a microscope, culture, which involves growing the organism, and sensitivities, which is testing which antibiotics are effective against the bacteria that grows. Charcoal swabs look like a long cotton bud that goes into a tube with a black transport medium at the end of the tube. This black transport medium is called Amy's transport medium and it contains a chemical solution for keeping microorganisms alive during transport. Microscopy involves gram staining and looking at the sample under the microscope. A stain is used to highlight different types of bacteria with different colours. Charcoal swabs can be used for endocervical swabs and high vaginal swabs or HVS. Charcoal swabs can confirm bacterial vaginosis, candidiasis, gonorrhea, specifically on an endocervical swab, trichomonas vaginalis, specifically on a swab from the posterior fornix of the vagina, and other bacteria such as Group B Streptococcus, or GBS. Nucleic acid amplification tests, or NAT, 
check directly for the DNA or the RNA of the organism. NAT testing is used to specifically test for chlamydia and gonorrhea. They are not useful for other pelvic infections, except where specifically testing for mycoplasma genitalium. In women, a NAT test can be performed on a vulvovaginal swab, which can be a self-taken lower vaginal swab, an endocervical swab, or a first-catch urine sample. The order of preference is endocervical, vulvovaginal, and then urine. In men, a NAT test can be performed on a first-catch urine sample or a urethral swab. It's worth noting that the NAT swabs will specify on the packet whether the swabs are for endocervical, vulvovaginal, or urethral use. A specific kit is used for a first-catch urine NAT test. Rectal and pharyngeal NAT swabs can also be taken to diagnose chlamydia in the rectum and the throat. It's important to consider rectal and pharyngeal swabs where anal and oral sex has occurred. Where gonorrhea is suspected or demonstrated on a NAT test, an endocervical charcoal swab is required for microscopy, culture and sensitivities. This is particularly important with gonorrhea due to the high rate of bacterial resistance to antibiotics. Let's talk about the presentation. The majority of cases of chlamydia in women are asymptomatic. Consider chlamydia testing in women that are sexually active and present with abnormal vaginal discharge, pelvic pain, abnormal vaginal bleeding, for example intermenstrual bleeding or postcoital bleeding, painful sex, which is called dyspareunia, or painful urination, which is called dysuria. Consider chlamydia testing in men that are sexually active and present with urethral discharge or discomfort, painful urination or dysuria, epididymoorchitis, or reactive arthritis. It's worth considering rectal chlamydia and a condition called lymphogranuloma venereum in patients presenting with anorectal symptoms such as discomfort, discharge, bleeding or a change in bowel habits. We'll talk about lymphogranuloma venereum in more detail later. Let's go through the examination findings. In a patient with chlamydia, there may be no examination findings or you may be able to find pelvic or abdominal tenderness, cervical motion tenderness, which is referred to as cervical excitation, an inflamed cervix, referred to as cervicitis, and purulent discharge. So how do we make the diagnosis? Nucleic acid amplification tests, or NAT, are used to diagnose chlamydia. This can involve a vulvovaginal swab, endocervical swab, first catch urine sample in women or men, urethral swab in men, rectal swab if anal sex has taken place, and pharyngeal swab if oral sex has taken place. Next let's talk about the management. This section is based on the British Association for Sexual Health and HIV, or BASH, guidelines which were published in 2015 and updated in 2018. 
always check the local and the national guidelines before treating patients. And this is a summary to help with your learning and exam preparation, not to guide clinical practice. First line for uncomplicated chlamydia infection is doxycycline 100mg twice a day for 7 days. The guidelines previously recommended a single dose of azithromycin 1 gram orally as an alternative. This recommendation has been removed due to mycoplasma genitalium resistance to azithromycin and because azithromycin is less effective for rectal chlamydia infection. Doxycycline is contraindicated in pregnancy and breastfeeding. Therefore, some alternative options are needed for pregnant or breastfeeding women. And these include various regimes of either azithromycin, erythromycin or amoxicillin. A test of cure, meaning checking whether the treatment has worked by doing another test, is not routinely recommended. However, a test of cure should be used for rectal cases of chlamydia in pregnant women and where the symptoms persist. Other factors to consider when treating chlamydia are abstaining from sex for seven days of treatment for all partners in order to reduce the risk of reinfection, referring all patients to genitourinary medicine or GUM for contact tracing and notification of sexual partners, testing for and treating any other sexually transmitted infections, providing advice about ways to prevent future infection, and considering safeguarding issues and sexual abuse in children and young people. Let's talk about the complications. There are a number of complications from infection with chlamydia, including pelvic inflammatory disease, chronic pelvic pain, infertility, ectopic pregnancy, epididymoorchitis, conjunctivitis, lymphogranuloma venereum, which we're going to talk about in more detail shortly, and reactive arthritis. Pregnancy-related complications include preterm delivery, premature rupture of membranes, a low birth weight, postpartum endometritis, and neonatal infection with conjunctivitis and pneumonia. Next, let's talk in more detail about lymphogranuloma venereum. Lymphogranuloma venereum, or LGV, is a condition affecting the lymphoid tissue around the site of infection with chlamydia. It most commonly occurs in men who have sex with men, or MSM. The condition occurs in three stages. The primary stage involves a painless ulcer, which is the primary lesion. This ulcer typically occurs on the penis in men, the vaginal wall in women, or in the rectum after anal sex. The secondary stage involves lymphadenitis. This is swelling, inflammation and pain in the lymph nodes infected with the bacteria. The inguinal or the femoral lymph nodes may be affected. The tertiary stage involves inflammation of the rectum, which is called proctitis, and the anus. Proctocolitis leads to anal pain, change in bowel habit, tenesmus and discharge. Tenesmus is a feeling of needing to open the bowels even after completing a bowel motion. 
The recommended treatment by the BASH guidelines is doxycycline 100 milligrams twice a day for 21 days as the first line treatment. Erythromycin, azithromycin or ofloxacin are alternatives. Finally, let's talk about chlamydial conjunctivitis. Chlamydia can infect the conjunctiva of the eye. Conjunctival infection is usually a result of sexual activity when genital fluid comes in contact with the eye, for example through hand-to-eye spread. It presents with chronic erythema or redness, irritation and discharge lasting more than two weeks. Most cases are unilateral. Chlamydial conjunctivitis occurs more frequently in young adults. It can also affect neonates with mothers infected with chlamydia. Gonococcal conjunctivitis is a crucial differential diagnosis and should be tested for. So thanks for listening to this episode on chlamydia. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about gonorrhea.